Good morning. Welcome to Parkview. I'm Doug, one of the pastors here. It's great to have you with us. And as I'm just reflecting off of what Greg said, there's a couple of things that hit me. One is um, we gather on Sunday mornings to worship um, Jesus like we've done, but we also study the Bible. And because we believe this book is written from God to us and that God has a message for us today. So um, Greg is sharing his story with you. I don't know that I've, I've known Greg a long time. I don't know if I've ever heard Greg talk that much about himself. Like he's usually a very humble guy that isn't going to just blast out there and say what he just did. We must have twisted his arm pretty good to make that video. But um, I love that hunger that you see in Greg's life uh, to meet God. Some of us don't even know there is a morning at five o'clock, right? <laughs> Six o'clock, seven maybe. But the other part I really liked from that is... Um, that sometimes our pursuit of God can be one-dimensional. Like, what is God going to show me today? What's God going to do for me today? And how beautiful it is to have someone else in mind. Like, why are you pursuing God? Like, who else can be blessed because you're pursuing God? And so when your kids are younger and in home, you know, that's a great place right there. How can I help my kids understand what I'm learning? But I think that's true for all of us. If we thought this morning, like, who could be blessed because you're here today? Like, who is it that you may hear something? Like, who then could you share what you're learning today and, and pass that on and share with other people? I've found in my own life and then just kind of as a pastor over the years that those who are studying not just for themselves but to teach others, those are usually the ones and those are the moments in my life where I tend to really grow even more. So just love the principles we pulled out of that. So we're going to pray to start uh, before we open the Bible and study it today. So I'm going to invite you to pray. So let's just pray. I'm going to invite you to pray quietly uh, that God would speak to you today. And we all come in with a lot of distractions, a lot of things on our minds. So could you pray that God would speak uh, clearly to you, that you would listen to his word today? <clears throat> And then could you pray, God, who is it in my life this week that you, you want me to share something with? Like, just ask him even now, who, who else can benefit because I'm here today? Maybe somebody in your family, maybe somebody at work or school tomorrow, but who, God, who do you want me to, to share something with this week that I learned about you? Ask him that. And if you've been here before, you hear at this time, I usually ask you to pray for me. And I, could you really do it this time? I just, for whatever reason, this has been a hard passage for me, a hard week for me to put this together, enough time spent just not coming. So could you just pray that God would speak clearly through his word today, that I would stay out of the way, that he would teach, teach us clearly. God, thank you that you're a God who loves to talk to your people. And I pray that happens today as we read your word, as we read a very famous parable that Jesus told. Would you help us understand? Would you help us catch what it is? God, would you challenge us or encourage us? Whatever it is we need today, would you just speak to each one of us? In your great name we pray. Amen. All right, so if you have a Bible, you can turn to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. This year, all the way up until Easter, we're just going to study the life of Jesus in the Gospel of Mark. And uh, hopefully you've been going along with the study guide that we have. If you need one of those, there's more out in the Resource Center. But those have been an excellent uh, study companion through this whole Gospel. So if you'd like to grab one of those, make sure you, you grab one. So we're Mark chapter 4, verse 1. And if I can just kind of summarize what we've seen so far, uh, the Gospel of Mark is presenting Jesus 
as the Son of God, as the Messiah, as the one who is bearing good news. And the good news is that the kingdom of God is at hand. And the reason the kingdom of God is at hand is because the king is at hand. Jesus is here. And so in the first couple chapters, we've seen Jesus presenting himself in his authority. His teaching is compelling. So he's drawing big crowds. He's casting out demons. So he's showing his authority over Satan and over the enemy, over evil. And he's also showing his authority as he's been healing and and, and just curing all kinds of diseases. So he's definitely presenting himself in his authority as the Messiah. But you're also seeing the opposition building and growing. In fact, there's already a group of religious leaders that hate Jesus so much they want to destroy him. And so we saw this last week. The crowds are growing. They're just vast. We said it's kind of like Jesus is like in, in rock star mode. Like if Bieber is your thing, it was like the masses following Bieber or if Elvis was your thing or the Beatles or we said cookie butter at Trader Joe's opening. Like whatever it is, he's very popular now. And just the crowds are gathering from all over the region to be around him. And as we saw last week, Jesus is just surrounded again by so many people that he's just trying to see who out of this vast crowd really wants to follow me. That he's got a bunch of fans that are pressing into him because they want healing or they want to see something cool happen or they just kind of want to be part of the show. There's fans, there's foes. We saw that already. The religious leaders want to destroy him. We saw last week his family thought he was crazy. They thought he was nuts. And so he's getting opposition from unexpected sources. But he's also looking for followers. In the end of chapter 3 last week, we saw Jesus in a home just kind of packed with people who are just sitting and listening to his teaching. And somebody says, Jesus, your mom and brothers are out there. And he said an amazing statement. He said, these are my mom and my brothers and my sisters. These are the ones that, that I truly love, the ones that are sitting and listening to what I'm teaching. So that's how we ended chapter three. Chapter four, I think, carries right on. I think it's still out of the same setting. And let me just start reading it to us, and we'll just jump into this text. So Mark 4, verse 1. It says, Again, Jesus began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered around him, so that he got into a boat, and he sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. So the picture last week was people were pushing on Jesus so hard that it was just, it was literally almost crushing him. So here the crowds are vast again. He just sets out in a little boat a little way from shore. And now he's got this natural amphitheater where he's speaking from the water to the crowds. Again, whatever your notions of Jesus are this morning, he was not a boring person, right? He's very compelling, drawing huge crowds here. So... And it says, And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teaching, he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. And other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, uh, since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing, and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. So what, 
what just happened was he just told that story, okay? And then I think what happened is that he told a couple more, much shorter stories, and then that was it. Like he just maybe just kind of stood there in the boat for a while, or he just sat down, maybe just kind of paddled out a little bit further. But that was it, okay? So imagine if you're part of that crowd. Like you were there, a majority of us aren't really there to really follow Jesus or to really listen to what he's saying. Like we want to see a show, or maybe we brought grandma because her hip is sore. Maybe we, you know, have something wrong with us and we were there to get healed, or we wanted to see a big demon kind of thing and watch a demon get thrown out. So, but instead we show up, this big crowd is there. He tells a story about a farmer and some seeds, and then he's done. You know, like I think a big number of the people there just kind of like, what was that all about, okay? And they just kind of walked away. Now, I, a few years ago, usually the Coralville fireworks are just amazing, right? And it just, for our family, it happened to unfortunately be the year we have family in Minneapolis. We invite them down. Hey, you ought to see our fireworks. They're great. And it happened to be that, remember the one year where they lit them off and they all went off in like three minutes? And everybody was like, what was that? You know, and so again, usually Coralville nails it, does a great job, but like, that year was like, so I feel like that's kind of what this was like. You're, all this hype, all this thing about Jesus, and he tells a little story, and that's it. So most of the people just kind of go away, like, whatever, you know. So, But look at verse 10. So it says, And when he was alone, uh, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you it has been given, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, that they may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. So it turns out that the 12 refers to Jesus' apostles. We saw them in chapter 3. Those are the ones Jesus chose that he's going to invest in. And then when he dies and rises again from the dead, they're the ones he's going to send out with a message. But it seems like he's picked up a few others. There's a few others and the 12. These circle in, and they are the ones that say, okay, Jesus, uh, what was that? Like, what were those stories about? Can you tell us, can you tell us what's going on here? And so Jesus talks about a secret. He talks about a secret. Now, when you hear secret, there's a couple of things that could pop up. One is, when my kids were younger, I had three of them. Like, it seems like if you have three kids, sometimes you can get a lot of pairing up two on one. And like, so-and-so's telling a secret or keeping secrets. And, you know, as a dad, you just want quiet. So you just make that proclamation. There will be no secrets in this house. You know, like, secrets are bad. Like, that's a mean thing to have a secret. Don't keep a secret from your brother, from your sister. And so it almost seems he's not being mean because as he tells this secret, he really wants everybody to know this. That's why Jesus came to the earth, and that's why he's going to die on the cross, is his secret is actually not meant to be a secret. It's something he wants everybody to know. But what I think Jesus is doing here, and then you read through this, what he just said, and it sounds harsh, like there's insiders and outsiders, and those on the outside don't get the secret. It's like he's setting up a club, and Jesus, are you that insecure that you got to set up this little club and keep everybody out there? And that's not what's going on. What Jesus is doing is, I think he's describing uh, the response that God has seen throughout history with his people. In fact, that last verse where he says that they may indeed see but not perceive, hear but not understand, that's a direct quote from the book of Isaiah. 
That's what God told Isaiah when Isaiah said, God, I'll go out and I'll speak for you. And God said, okay, Isaiah, you can go, but guess what? They're going to see, but not perceive. They're going to hear, but not understand. Like, wow, God, way to throw a wet blanket on this guy. Like he's excited to go and preach, but God's just describing how it's going to go. People are not going to understand what you're saying. And so again, here, Jesus isn't being mean. And he's not saying, yeah, they can't hear the secrets and so now they can't be forgiven of their sins. Like, he's not being mean. He's just telling them, this is the way it goes. With spiritual truth, you're going to see that a lot of people are not going to understand it. And they're not going to see it. But he's going to, there's hope. He's going he's to say, but you guys, you're here. And you're going to hear this secret. And my desire is that when you latch onto this secret, God is going to do some amazing things in you and through you. Not just you will be blessed, but so many people are going to see this secret because, because of what you're doing right now. You're leaning in and you're listening. Remember last week out of all the crowds, you know, the fans, Jesus wasn't after numbers. The foes, yeah, they're going to be there. He's looking for followers. Who's going to really listen? Who's going to embrace the secret so that the secret can go out big and do great things? So that's what's going on here. And so um, he's commending these guys. And this morning, what we're going to step into now is as, as Jesus describes this story and he goes into details, I think he's excited you're here this morning. And what he wants to do is invite us into that same privileged spot of hearing what this parable really means because he wants to make sure that we are the ones that he can pour this secret into and then do powerful things through you. This is a secret that will change your life, and it will change the life of the people around you. Just like Greg was demonstrating for us, he wants to learn from God, but he wants his son to learn too, that God wants to bless you so that so many people around you will be blessed as well. Okay, so, so that's what's going on. And then he begins to describe uh, this secret. He begins to describe it, and, and so verse 13 he says, uh, do you not understand this parable? How will you understand all the parables? Just pause for a second. I don't think he's scolding them, but what he's doing is elevating this whole moment. You guys, this is crucial. Like if you want to follow me, if you want to be used by God, if you want to be blessed by God, and then others blessed through you, you have got to get this. Like if anything, I think he already had their attention. He's getting it even more, okay? This is following Jesus 101. This is what you've got to know, Okay. So then he goes on, the sower sows the word. And, and so the seed here is the word of God. And the sower, in this case, is Jesus. But remember, he's talking to apostles. He's talking to future workers. They're going to be the ones that will also be sowers. So put yourself in both roles this morning. He's speaking to you as a, as a potential recipient of this secret but his desire is you would grab on to this secret and then pass it on. Okay, so listen with both ears into this. What, how am I receiving this message? And then what's it going to look like when I spread this message? Okay, so, so the seed is the word of God. The sower here is Jesus, but the sower could eventually be all of us spreading the seed. Okay, so then he describes four types of soil. The seed gets spread out, lands in four places. These are four descriptions of human hearts four descriptions of how people hear spiritual truth and what they do with it. So I'd encourage us this morning as we read through these to let this be a mirror of your heart. This is like a spiritual EKG. Like which one of these best describes where you are this morning in your posture before God? 
as God is speaking to you, teaching you, which one is you, okay? So he goes on. The first one is the path. And he said, these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. And when they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. Okay, these are people that hear the word of God and immediately blow it off. Like nothing happens. And usually that comes from just flat out rejection. This is stupid. I don't need God. I've got this. You know, I don't want to be religious. I don't want any of that God stuff. So just a very antagonistic view towards God in the first place. So there's just nothing happens. It says Satan takes the seed away. There's certainly no fruit at all. In 1 Corinthians 1.18, Paul says that the word of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. Like It's interesting that for some of us, you look at the cross and you see forgiveness, like you see life. But for some people, they look at the cross and they see foolishness. The Greek word there is moranos. Like this is moronic. Like why would I even believe that God came to earth and died on a cross and grew up as a peasant? And like that's all stupid. So if that's your response, you're like the soil on, you're like the, the soil on the path. The seed can't even penetrate. The seed doesn't even come into the heart level. This might also be somebody that just forgot. For them, God is an intellectual pursuit, but it never really changes your life. Maybe you're a religious studies scholar. Maybe you're a professor of religion, but it all stays in your head, and it doesn't influence your heart. That's, that's the hard soil of the path. Okay, so that's one response to the word of God. The second is described as rocky soil. It says these are the ones sown on the rocky ground, the ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but they endure it for a while. And then tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, and immediately they fall away. So there's two immediately's here. It's one of Mark's favorite words. 44 times in the gospel work, immediately, immediately, immediately. So, but the rocky people hear God's word, and immediately there's joy, there's excitement. Like, this is awesome. I love God. Like, I love the Bible. I'm going to go to church every week. Like, I'm going to go buy my first Bible. I'm going to listen to podcasts. I'm going to, like, so there's that initial excitement. And maybe you've had spurts in your life like that where you just get so fired up after just such a short exposure. Maybe you've known people that that get really pumped about God, but that that season is very short in their life because Jesus said opposition comes. And I think the opposition comes from two places. I think, one, the opposition comes when we begin to go public with this. Yes, I'm following God now. And then immediately the response that could come from friends or family, oh, so you're a Bible thumper now? Oh, you think you're better than us now? Oh, you believe in all that God stuff now? Like, so that opposition that can come, and it's interesting, Mark's gospel is being written to Christians in Rome, and they feared much more than just scorn from their family or friends. They were being fed to lions. They were being tortured in many ways. And so very legitimately, somebody's joy for God could just get wiped out when you get opposition. And again, we, I don't mean to minimize opposition we face, but I've heard it said in our country, we fear the raising of an eyebrow where many believers in other parts of the world fear the raising of a sword. But yet opposition can cause us to lose our joy and our hunger for God. I think the second place opposition can come is from the word itself. Like, I think there can be initial joy. God loves me. God's got a plan for me. Like, that's so awesome. God, God's just going to help me do what I want to do. And then you start reading the Bible, and you see God's got some commands for us, and God's got some ways of thinking that are very different than ours. And so sometimes the Bible opposes us. 
and what we want the Bible to do for us instead of my idea was God loves me, he's going to ride shotgun with me and just bless everything I do. You start reading this book and it doesn't go well that way, right? God has an agenda. His is way better than ours. And so my calling is to live his agenda, not mine. And if we don't like that, then this very book can oppose us and our, our excitement, our joy for God can disappear. So that's the, that's the rocky soil. This third soil, I'll be honest, and I think if we were all honest and could have a conversation today, this is probably where most of us live, in this third soil. I don't mean to minimize the other two, and if you're in there, I'm not saying you're weird, okay? I'm just saying, and maybe I'm just seeing myself so much in number three that I'm just assuming everybody else is with me, right? I don't want to be there alone, but there's a lot here in number three that I'm very familiar with, okay? So this is called the thorny soil, and others are the ones sown among thorns, They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. So the bottom line, we're looking for fruit here. If you're a farmer sowing seed, like you don't really care. If like, hey, that crop, you know what? It did great for a week and then it died. That's good though, right? It's like farmer says, no, I want a crop. I want fruit, right? I want to see something fruitful. And so here again, there was some initial response. There's at least they heard the word and Jesus saying, yeah, I want you to hear what I'm saying. But there were other things that choked out the word. There's two ways. Let's say that we're holding on to God's word like this. There's two ways to get it out of our hands. One is you just come and hit. Like if somebody just came and hit my arm really hard, it's like, ah, I'm going to drop it, right? That's like soil two. The opposition comes and makes you drop it. Soil three, though, is kind of more subtle, that you're trying to hold on to God's word. But hey, what's what's going on over there? That's pretty cool. And you kind of loosen your grip and you forget you know, about what God is saying to you or calling you to do. And before you know, you just kind of drop it. You, it gets choked out. It's kind of a slower death. It's a slower letting go. And that happens over time. And what's really subtle about soil three is that um, there's a pretty good season of time where soil three looks like soil four. Looks like you're kind of going along with everything and you're kind of hanging on. But that over time, that, that grip gets loosened and loosened and loosen. And there's particular things that cause that. One, he says, it's cares of the world. And so that can mean just, just normal things that just come your way, just caring for your family, caring for your marriage, caring for your job, like just trying to stay in shape, just all the different cares. Again, that none of those are alone bad, but just overall, they begin to distract you and take you away from what God is calling you to do, the priority of listening uh, to God. So um, cares of the world could also be worries and fears. Now, if you are a news junkie, I have no idea how you can sleep at night in some of these days. Like some of the things we read, like this week, just even one of those should keep you up for a month. But here's one thing we were told this week, that North Korea now has the capacity to launch nuclear missiles over our country, knock out our power grid, and 90% of us will die. Like, we will not survive that. Only 10% can survive that. Have a good night. Like, sleep well tonight with that thought, right? And I'm trying to think, like, would I be one of those 10%? And if my family's survival depended on my hunting skills and Bubba, my black lab, like, come on, Bubba, we can do this. Like, we're in trouble. We're part of the 90. Okay, right there. So, so just some of the things that just keep just getting put out there. It's like, that's a care of the world. The other big one was, did you hear this one, that there's apparently a super volcano at Yellowstone 
that it's going to go off. Like, well, it's starting to rumble, and it's like that could go off either sometime next week or in 20 billion years. Like, oh, you know, like, so they're keeping you there, though. We'll keep you posted, keep checking in on that, and we'll let you know how that goes. But if that super volcano goes off, like the whole planet goes extinct, okay? Again, good night. Have a great night. Thanks for watching. So, like, ah, like, so cares of the world, just being afraid and consumed and forgetting, okay, if I'm pursuing God, I'm pursuing the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the one who reigns, the one who's my rock and refuge, but we're so distracted. Yeah, but the volcano is going to go off like so. So that can distract us from, from, from listening and doing the word of God. The other ones he mentions are uh, the deceitfulness of riches. Deceitfulness of riches. I love that combination because um, money is incredibly deceptive in so many fronts. We've talked about this before. Like one way it deceives us is that we don't think we're rich. Again, again, I probably beat it like a dead horse or whatever. That's a bad analogy. I've said it too much. But like if you take the average income in Johnson County and stack it up for the rest of the world, you know, we're richer than 99% of the world, but nobody in this room probably feels rich. Like we feel like, oh, I'm kind of in the middle or maybe upper middle. I can think of so many people that have so much more than I do. So there's a constant unsettledness if we're, if we have wealth, it can be incredibly deceptive that we're constantly thinking, I don't have enough, I need more. And the other deception is that if I have more, then I'll be good. Like then I'll, I'll be covered, I'll be secure, I won't have to worry about anything. And just in spite of the fact they're one of the most prosperous nations that's ever been on this planet, you know, things like anxiety and sleeplessness and strife in our relationships and strife in our country are, are just peaking at all time highs. So we're so deceived that if I have more, I'll be happier and more content. And the exact opposite is happening in our country. So deceptive. And, but yet, I would imagine, uh, if we're honest, that one of our biggest competitors for really spending time with God, really giving God our focus and attention, um, is, is making a living. It's the amount of time we spend at work or amount of time we spend thinking about earning more, making more, or or trying to keep up with the things we already have. And, and just those things are so deceitful that what we look for from our riches, uh, the riches don't provide. It's very deceitful. And the last one is the desire for other things, that, that our hearts are more, I mean, just be honest this morning. Just be honest. Like, what would excite you more, to have an hour, like to just really just you and your Bible and just God speak to me? Cubs game two? Is it Netflix? Is it, you know, being on Instagram? Is it just hanging out with my friends? Like, just be honest. And again, I, again, that's where our hearts are. I mean, I'm, I'm talking, we're in this together, right? This is all a chat. This isn't, I've got this conquered. I hope you guys catch up to where I am someday. So this is something we battle. And again, it makes no sense. Like when we see God, you know, when we see God in his glory and his awesomeness, Someday at the end of our lives, we see him and we put the Minnesota Vikings next to him, or we put the Chicago Cubs next to him, or we put Netflix next. Like, guys, it is a no brainer. Like, what is more glorious? Like, what is more helpful? Like, what is more energizing for us? But yet, our hearts are so easily drawn by, by other desires. And so that's soil three. And when that happens, um, there's no fruit. There, there's no fruit. There's, uh, uh, nothing happens. What God has intended to do in us uh, cannot happen because the word isn't received. And so the last, the last soil, let's get to the good stuff here. The last one is this, is that those who, um, but those 
that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Like that, if you were in that, this little crowd hearing that, those numbers would blow you away. A good farmer in Jesus' day, if they got tenfold, was staggering. Like, wow, that's amazing. He's using huge numbers here, 30, 60, 100 fold. And, and the description there is what Jesus is looking for is hear the word and accept it. Hear it and embrace it. Hear it and do it. There were other times he taught this parable in, in, in Matthew. The words there were hear the word and understand it. In Luke, it was hear the word and hold fast with a good and honest heart. So what you see is what good soil looks like is is there's an attentiveness, there's a listening, there's an acceptance, and then there's a, let's do this. Let's put this to practice. Like That's not a casual read-through. That's not a little verse of the day kind of thing, and then let's go on. But there's an intense hunger to listen and, and to do this. In fact, if you want to, the key word in this whole chapter is the word hear. Jesus wants us to hear and accept what, what he's saying. And what he's just done, he's just given us four snapshots And even just right now, these are four spiritual EKGs. Which one of these reflects your heart this morning? Which which ones of those? And what he's warning us about is we have obstacles in our heart that this seed that he wants to plant in us is staggering. This seed is amazing. The gospel and what the gospel can do in a life will blow you away. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold bearing fruit. You ask, what's fruit? What's he talking about? When the Bible talks about fruit, there's two things. One is your character, and one is your influence. Your character and your influence. That you will change, you will become more and more like Jesus. Galatians 5 talks about the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Those things will grow 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold in your life. And then your influence and you talk about, um, as a dad, like what a, what a dream that would be. Because if you're a dad, you're a parent here this morning, I think um, immediately I can think of, oh, you know, <laughs> I have not done a good job. Like I have not done this or I have not done that. And the promise from Jesus here is you listen, you hear, you obey, you watch what I'm going to do in your life, in your life, 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. And then the influence you're going to have in the people around you. Um, what, what, a, what a promise. What a, what, a, what a reason to lean in and listen. Again, like we saw from Greg's video, not just that God will change you, but the people around you will be greatly blessed as you, as you are soil for. So, but we have these obstacles. Let me just say a couple things. Um, I just ask you, which soil are you? Um, let me just talk about that a little bit. I think one reason this has been a hard sermon for me to just throw out there is that on one hand, um, there'd be an easy way to teach this, but I don't want to go there. I want to go, let's go the real way on this. So I love this church. I love you guys. Like I love, um, one of my favorite parts of Sunday is just hanging out and talking to you guys and hearing what's going on. Um, but I think there's a real honest um, question we've all got to ask is, um, in our response to the gospel, and the gospel is that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, that he came to this earth, you know, he lived a perfect life, he died on the cross um, in order to bring us back to God. Like he's offering us salvation to forgive our sins, 
give us new life, and then pour his life into us so that we can grow to become like him and bear much fruit, 30, 60, 100, fold, and that the people around us will change. And so um, we've just got to ask at that initial level, have we truly responded to the gospel? You know, um, you just, and you can't read that passage and just kind of casually go by it. I think you got to ask that because unfortunately, I think there are people sitting in churches today that are soil two, soil three, um, but this isn't this isn't sticking. Like there isn't fruit, and um, it, this is a morning to get serious with that. Um, you know, coming to church week after week, that's awesome. I commend that. But, but bottom line, Jesus, what are you looking for? You know, ask the farmer, what are you looking for? I'm looking for fruit. I'm looking for fruit. And fruit isn't, isn't you like, oh, I'm going to be as good as I can so I can show God I really love him. No, no, no. It's like fruit is going to come because you have truly embraced Jesus and what he's done for you. And then he begins to do fruit in you. He begins to produce the fruit in you. Last hour, I had the people, I did audience participation the first hour. And I said, give me some words. Like, what has the gospel done in you? How has it changed you? In words like, I have hope, or I have patience, or I have more joy, or I have more like, can I just ask, like, are you seeing fruit? And again, it's not what you did. It's not what you did to earn. It's what God did, because all you did was take in the gospel. Okay, because if you haven't, this is a good morning. This don't don't just keep punting that. Oh yeah, maybe one day I'll make sure I'm soil four. But let's let's go. Like, have you truly embraced the gospel, or have you just added Jesus to the mix of everything else, or is Jesus just kind of riding shotgun with you to help you out here and there? But or have you truly listened and accepted what He's calling you to do? So this would be a great morning just to square up. And just use those words that Jesus just gave as, as a mirror for you. Have I truly embraced the gospel? Okay. So let me say this too, that, um, as I said, when I was reading through it, uh, I see a lot of soil three in me. I do believe, um, that my, I have trusted Jesus as my savior. Okay. My, uh, salvation is eternally secure, not because of how awesome I am, but because of what Jesus has promised me. Okay. But the assurance of that salvation is going to be reflected in, in what's coming out of my life. And, and you can take a wedge or a section of a true Christian's life, and it's not going to be pretty. You can take a lot of wedges of mine. It's not going to be pretty. Like you could see when Jesus, um, if you know the story, when he was arrested and uh, was taken to be put on trial, um, Peter denied Jesus three times. He had two disciples that just totally, Judas betrayed him. And, G- and Peter denied him. If you looked at both snapshots of those two people's lives that said they were following Jesus, you would say, those guys aren't Christians. It's pretty clear they're not. But you see what happened with Peter is that he understood what he did. He was broken. He was forgiven. God restored him, and he became one of the leaders of the church, right? So I'm not talking about are you being perfect here, but, but as we take this, like this morning, maybe you have received the gospel, you've seen fruit in your life, and there's been... Yes, I know Jesus. My, my, my salvation is eternally secure because of God. I believe in that. But maybe the snapshot of your heart this morning showed another soil. Like then, I think Jesus wants to use this parable to encourage you. It's like, let's get going again. Let's get fruitful again. 
I've got more work I want to do in your life. And there's some people around you that just so desperately need you, need, need me, and you're the one I want to use to influence them. So, so I'm just praying that God will help you sort through both of those truths because I think you read this parable and you can do both with it. Have you initially embraced the gospel? And is there evidence of fruit in your life? It's like, yes, I know that. I've seen that. But, but then be honest. Like, but right now, here's the snapshot. And I'm not living like a follower. I'm not really living out my salvation. So God, here's my heart. And here's my encouragement to you. A couple of encouragements. I have never seen soil uh, throw rocks out of itself, okay? I have never seen soil pull up its own thorns. If you find that kind of soil, give me some for my garden, okay? Like, I then I don't have to weed it, and I've got a bunch of rocks in my garden. Like, I would love to have that kind of soil, okay? Those things happen by a gardener. It's a gardener that needs to come. Unfortunately, it's me or my wife. We have to pull the weeds, right? We have to get the rocks out. We don't ask our soil to do those things. Can I give you four things? that come from uh, John Piper. He's a pastor in Minneapolis. They're called his, his spiritual IOUs. These are the kind of things that come from a heart that this morning, the snapshot, the EKG shows, your soil two or soil three. Listen to these four spiritual IOUs. The I stands for incline my heart to you, not to prideful gain or any false motive. That's Psalm 119, 36. God, you turn my heart to you. Isn't that a humbling prayer? Like that's an acknowledgement that my heart, even though I want to follow Jesus, my heart can do its own thing and just goes. And I'm saying, God, could you help me incline my heart uh, to you? The second one is open my eyes to behold wonderful things in your word. God, it is so possible for me to just miss with my eyes how awesome you are and what you're saying to me. Could you open my eyes so I can understand what you're saying to me? The third one is unite my heart to fear your name. God, my heart can be so divided. I can be pursuing this or this or this or this. Could you just unite my heart and fear your name means to see God as awesome, like he is supreme, way better than any other, any other pursuit in my life. God, I just want to be in awe of you. I want to just be in fear of you. So unite my heart so that I fear your name and then satisfy me with your steadfast love. God, may I just be so satisfied that my heart naturally desires you. It follows you first. Like when David said, your love is better than life. That's what we're looking for there. And so what I love there is the honesty. Soil cannot clean up itself. You know, the soil needs help. The soil needs a gardener to pull out the rocks, pull out the weeds. So that IOU prayer is an example of what you do. If you're soil two or soil three today, you ask the gardener to help you to till your soil, to throw out the weeds so that you can receive uh, the gospel and receive what God wants to do in your life. We do not have time. There's three other quick parables Jesus told. Let me just tell you their punchlines because this will encourage you too. So he told a few more stories right at the end of the, the major one. But one is this, one point is this, stay hungry, stay hungry because what God is going to do when you're soil four, he's going to start shining a light through you. There's going to be, there's going to be, you know, the fruit coming from your life is not meant to be hidden. So stay hungry. Like once you've received the gospel, keep pursuing because God has more for you and he's got more for you. He's going to keep growing you. So stay hungry was one of the main points. Another one is this, is, um, how am I going to summarize this one? Is, is to be patient, to wait for it. He told a story about the farmer put seed in the ground 
And then he, all he does is he goes to bed, he wakes up. He goes to bed, he wakes up. He goes to bed, he wakes up. And the seed just starts growing. Like there's a stalk, and then there's the ear, then there's the grain, and then there's a harvest. Like, And meanwhile, the farmer didn't do anything, right? He just put it in the ground and then just kind of watched it happen, right? He doesn't understand how it happened. It just happened. Like the encouragement there is when you embrace the gospel, stuff's going to start happening to you that you won't be able to explain because it's not you, it's God doing it, right? It's not the farmer every day is out there like just, you know, pulling up the stalks. It's a little longer that day, a little longer the next day. All he did was put it in the ground and God took care of the rest. And the same is true with you. Like, as you embrace the gospels, you listen. God's going to keep keep moving. There's two ditches you want to avoid here. Like, you don't want to go in the, well, I just won't do anything. I'll just kind of just sit back and let God go. No, you keep your soil, you know, you keep asking for your heart to be inclined to him and your heart to be united to fear his name. You want to stay good soil, but then let God go. You don't want to go in that other ditch, that other extreme and just beat yourself up. Oh, I'm not growing fast enough. I'm not doing enough. It's like, no, God will take care of that. Okay, God will grow it. You won't even be aware of it. Just stay patient just and watch God grow. Watch God move. And so um, there's that encouragement. And the last one was the encouragement of a mustard seed. There was a proverb in the day that there was no seed smaller than a mustard seed. And yet the smallest seed in the garden would grow to be one of the biggest garden plants that, that was there. I think the principle there, Jesus is saying, is like there are times where if you follow me, it's going to look really small. Like, it's going to look like we're not doing well. Okay, so I'm the only Christian at work. I'm the only Christian in my neighborhood. I'm the only Christian in my class. God, where's all the other Christians? Like, what are you doing? Or, or God, there's been a lot of hard times in my life this year. God, there's been a lot of sickness. God, there's a lot of financial struggle in my life. Like, many moments where following God, it's not going to look big. Like, you look throughout the history of how God moves, it's not always obvious that he's moving. He'll start things very small. But the day is coming when that movement gets big and where many are blessed. He talks about that that garden tree grows and the birds come from all around to nest in that. That it starts small. Don't be discouraged in the days of small things because God loves taking small things and doing big things through them. Because then it is so clear and so obvious. It wasn't us that did this, but it was God in his timing and in his way. So um, let me just, why don't you just join me and pray? Let me just give you a chance to respond on, on two fronts here. The first one is, Jesus is inviting you to receive uh, this seed, this very powerful seed of the gospel. And so if it's for your first time, you've never done that yet, this would be a great time to say that. Jesus, I need you. I need what you are offering me. I'll admit I've been playing around in soils one, two, and three, Jesus, I need your help. I want to be soil four. I want to embrace the gospel for the first time and just really see you work in my life. Do a work 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. I need you. Maybe that's your first time to do that. Let me invite you to that place this morning and just ask him that. Then maybe you've had those moments and you truly have embraced the gospel, but your EKG showed this morning that you're not soil for, that you're not continuing to stay hungry, that you're not staying in that posture where God continued to do just 30, 60, 100-fold work in your life. So maybe this is a moment just to say, God, um, pull out the weeds, God, throw out the rocks, um, incline my heart to you, open my eyes, unite my heart to fear your name, and satisfy me, God, with you and your love. 
chance to do that right now. And then let's go back to that person you prayed for at the beginning of our message here. Who is, who is that one more person? Who is that person that through you, God, would you please influence? God, would you please show my friend, this family member, whoever was that person you prayed for at the beginning, pray for them one more time. God, would you use what you're doing in my life to extend the gospel to them as well? Jesus, you're awesome. Thank you for giving us this secret. Thank you for these minutes where we've been able to come into this huddle with you and hear the truth of what you want to do in our lives, what you want to do through our lives. God, please do great things in us and through us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.